This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hi, my name is Peter Tomasi. Hi, this is James Hyman the Fourth. Hi, I'm Dan Jurgens. Hey, I'm Duncan Wynn. This is Jim Lee. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Mark Hamill speaking. This is Kevin Conroy. This is Tim Sale. Hello, everyone. I'm Batman, and you're listening to my podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, Season 13, Episode 6. I'm your host, Ian, and I have with me... This is Steph. And this is Theo. And we have a lot to get through. We have reviews of Batman Catwoman, Issue Number 4, Detective Comics 1035, and also a bunch of news, because, of course, solicitations dropped in the three weeks um, since we went through. The reason we are a little bit delayed is because Batman Catwoman was our selected comic to fill our second review slot in the back half of the month, but it was delayed. It originally was supposed to drop last week, and so we didn't have access to it, and so we couldn't record until now. But that's what it is. First things first, all of my co-hosts and I happen to watch the Zack Snyder Justice League. We're not going to do a full review. Uh, there is a review on the site, but I did want to get some reactions. Uh, Steph and I watched it together, which was really fun. Well, not together together, but we watched it together on Discord and chatted back and forth as it went through. And Theo watched it, sadly, by himself. So, Theo, what were your thoughts on the Snyder Cut? I, I mean, I will, I will give it credit for being better than the theatrical cut but considering that the theatrical cut set such a low bar it didn't have much <laughs> to do in order to be better it, it, it is what it is i mean it's just tell us more about how you hate cyborg <laughs> it, it's just further proof that Zack snyder was the wrong person to lead the dceu and, and if warner brothers really think that the snyder cut and all of the accolades that it's received for being better means that it's time to move forward with more the snyderverse stuff they're going to be greatly disappointed i mean it's, it's just it wasn't a good movie still a lot of gaping holes even though it took four hours trying to build holes you know it's just further proof that dc and warner brothers and snyder went at this the wrong way in trying not to be Marvel and how Marvel built its universe, they completely flopped on it. And yeah, you know, the less I see a Ray Fisher as a cyborg or a Ray Fisher, period, the better I am. But I, I, I hope that this is it for the Snyder Cut and the Snyderverse, although the the new trend of releasing the Snyderverse is out there now, which I am wholeheartedly against. Um, we will not be covering that on the podcast. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I was hoping we didn't even have to discuss it here. You know, it, it is what it is. Yes. It, I will give it credit for being better than what we got in the movie theaters, but you know, the bar was set 
quite low for it anyway. I don't have the same emotions. <laughs> it definitely was better. I liked it a lot better. I loved that it filled in a lot of knowledge holes and things. I like that they took out some of the awkward Whedonisms. I hated the score and I hated the vocal like montages. Oh, no, they, they were bad. Um, there's one other thing that I just like. Oh, right. So the theme for this daggone movie should have been keep your eye on the road and life will be better. Don't look at people when you're talking. Don't look for your cheeseburger under your foot pedal when you're driving a semi truck. Don't look at the cute boy when you're going through an intersection and don't look at your son when it's raining outside and you're driving a car. So just keep your eye on the road. Please drive safe and don't take any advice from people driving in the Snyder Cut movie. That was one thing that bothered me the most. I loved Cyborg. You're crazy. Cyborg was sweet and his character development was wonderful. And at the very end when he's like, I'm not broken, I just started crying. <laughs> he yeah, it, 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 it felt like it was a Cyborg movie more than it was a Justice League movie. Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. Well, for four no, hours. It was not, it, they all it was not okay. <laughs> this is this is making my night, guys. This is awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, so I had I had Ian pause the movie every time I had to have a potty break. Except he doesn't know that I I went potty a lot more <laughs> than what I said. So there's a couple of things I missed because it's a four hour long movie, y'all. Oh my gosh. Uh, I don't know if it was worth it. I, it would have been nicer as a mini series. I think, with pauses. Oh, and the 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 parts. What was it? Six parts in an epilogue. Yeah, that made no sense. Those no, parts the parts were, were not well structured at all. Seemingly arbitrary. I wonder if those were just the, intended to be potty breaks. I don't know. And then I hated the epilogue, the nightmare with Joker in the post. And Mara's terrible injustice world. The t- terrible English accent. I uh, that whole I could have done without that, especially since it's not setting up for anything. I don't know. It was dumb. Again, not that I'm like totally toilet focused, but um, I could have done without the extra twenty minutes of that. <laughs> I got other things to do, like use the bathroom. It, 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 the most touching, the, the most touching part for me, and this, 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 I promise will be the absolute last thing I say about this. The the most touching part to me was the tribute to his daughter. That was sweet. That, that was a that really was good t- part. But other than that, again, yeah, compared to Josh Whedon, while well, I doubt it was better, but yeah, whatever. Let's move on from 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 Zack Snyder, please. <laughs> Well, I get to save my quick take. Uh, no, 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 I'm, no, no, no. Meaning, meaning WB. Oh, let's, yeah. Let, I, I actually yeah, would agree let, with, let, with that. Let's move on. Um, yes, I do agree with that. Yeah. So I am in the weird spot of I actually really like the Whedon cut. I am not kidding. I bought the special edition Blu-ray. I still have it. I plan to watch it. And there are specific things that I really missed in the Snyder cut because they cut a bunch of stuff out that Joss Whedon shot. And some of that sure was an improvement. And I will definitely say it made more sense than the Whedon cut, but like 
The villains making sense does not mean they're not super boring. Yes, Steppenwolf now has motivation. <laughs> I don't care about his motivation because he's super boring. It was too long. It and did not need to be terrible. four hours. And I, I liked Cyborg in the Whedon cut. I didn't... I mean, yes, he has more of an arc and there's lots more stuff with him in it. But I liked him already. I didn't feel like I needed more. So... The Flash, surprisingly, was still terrible. I did not like that Flash. I just... I liked it. I'm glad it's out there. I'm really torn on whether I want to buy the, the Blu-ray or whatever. Because I, I like the one I have, so... You're never going to have time to sit down and watch it. Ever. The four hours, the one time is it. Like, no one has four hours to sit down and watch this movie. That is that is Twice. unfortunately <laughs> probably true. And I do I do like sitting down and watching my, my other one because it's got some fun fights and all my characters are there, you know? I don't know. I'm weird. I like the Whedon cut. Uh, so that's my take. And, and the, uh, the uh, what's it called? The, the epilogue sucked. It was just terrible. So. Oh, yeah. All right. So that's our... Our quick take on the Snyder Cut, and we will never talk about it again. <laughs> All right. Um, now, on to more comic news. Marvel has dropped Diamond as a direct distributor and gone to Penguin Random. Now, this is a Marvel news, but it's very significant because it means that neither of the big two are reliant on Diamond anymore, which means that we're probably going to see, I think, a consolidation towards Penguin Random House as a distributor for both of the big two. Um and we'll see if that's good or not. But this is big news. Keep your eyes on what's going on with distribution. Uh, DC's had a lot of success uh, domestically in the United States with Lunar. Is it Lunar that's doing it? Yes. Yeah. They've had a lot of success with Lunar. We'll see if that continues with the competition from Penguin Random, because Penguin Random's huge. And so they will have a lot of muscle. Well, I think I think the only... The only thing is, while Penguin most definitely is a a huge operation, it's going to take them a minute to get used to the direct market. And I think that's part of the reason why Marvel is allowing Diamond to continue on in this wholesaler role where shops can order directly from Diamond as they continue, as they currently do. And Diamond does the uh, the ordering from from Penguin, so we'll see how long that lasts. But you know, fans like myself have been calling for changes in how, especially Diamond did their business. Uh, you know, in refusing to grow and 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 change with the times. You know, a lot of their systems are the same systems that they've been using for decades and. Being that they were the only dog in town, you know, they they had little urge to change it. You know, now we're seeing the fruits of, of what that hesitancy has done. When you see Image and Boom or IDW make a change, that will probably be the final nail in the coffin for Diamond unless they throw unless they throw some serious discounts those publishers away where they can uh, continue operations. Yeah, I agree. I think that Diamond's days are numbered. There's a lot of signs that their business is not being well managed. And 
when you're in a monopolistic situation, you know, you get complacent. And I think that's what they've done. And I'm glad that DC broke the dam by creating their two distributors, even if one of them ended up deciding not to continue with that business. As I said, I've been pleased with Lunar, quite pleased. I just hope and, and again, it's not, it's not just Diamond that I think it's in trouble, because I think Diamond is what has kind of held the entire empire that Japan has has had. Diamond is owned by the same guy that owns Jim uh, Publishing, which, of course, does the Overstreet Price Guide. But, I mean, even though I still use the Price Guide and the Price Guide is quite valuable, you, you see more and more people using things such as Go Collect and Key Comic Collector and all these other apps that are now, you know, providing online mobilized price guides that that changes with the market. And then there's just Overstreet and it comes out, you know, once a year. And you, you would think after all these years, they would have come up with an idea of they would a live come up with an idea of update and keep your customers yes, a live competitive or, or even or even a mobile version of the price guide now supposedly there's something that can be done on an ipad but there's nothing for android there's 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 no type of if i wanted a price guide you know i would have to hold the big bible in my book sack that's not convenient these days. You know, what I want in my book sector, the books that I'm getting signed, I want to have books that I'm going to be buying. And if I want to check prices, hey, if I can pull up Comic Book Realm or if I can pull up Go Collect or any of the other sites that offer price guides, you know, why would I, in, in the environment of going to a convention and, and you know how busy those things can be. And if you're too busy trying to flip through a page, to see what the value of a book is, you're going to miss out on that book. I just wish that after all these years, they would have grown with the times. They haven't, you know, they've, they've done very little updates to their POS. What I've heard from comic shop owners that still use it. And even comic shop owners have dumped that POS and, and have gone to other vendors that are out there that seems to be, more user-friendly, both for the shop as well as the customer. You know, my shop used to use Diamond's POS, and then they moved to Comic Hub. And, you know, before I moved to DCBS, you know, Comic Hub was a godsend because in many ways I didn't need to have the preview magazine because once a month that, that magazine was in the app. It was a mobile app that I could do all of my orders from. So I didn't have to worry about calling in. I didn't have to worry about filling out a form and, and leaving it with the shop, which of course could easily be lost. They Diamond promised an app for store customers similar to Comic Cup that would allow them to manage, which would allow readers to manage their pull lists with their shops. And it never happened. It never happened. If, if, if this is the dying days and the final days of, of Diamond and, and Jim Publishing, you know, I will miss it, but I will not cry over it. That's a really excellent summary of a lot of the issues with Diamond and parts of the market that often fan sites don't talk about. So I'm glad we're having that information. And I, too, hope for some modernization and customer-friendly and retailer-friendly changes in the market because it's... 
It's been a jungle for too long. Next piece of news, solicitations are out for June of 2021. They were delayed and they're kind of messy. The big thing that we're learning is Batman Fortnite, a crossover event that I think is going weekly for six weeks. And this is actually going to be somewhat in continuity in that it's not going to be some Batman that, you know, is divorced from what's been happening. It's going to apparently be a Batman that took place in Joker War and City of Bane and those kinds of things, but he'll be transported to the video game Fortnite world. Um, it'll be written by Christos Gage, and I think some other writers, artists will be Christian Deuce and some others, because it's a weekly comic, so it'll have uh, art teams that rotate. I don't play Fortnite, so I don't really know what to expect from this. Uh, do either of you play Fortnite? No. I do not, and and the only reason why I'm actually picking up these six issues when they do come out is because uh, I know a kid who is a super diehard Fortnite player and you know each issue is gonna have some type of code or something that that can be redeemed for extra stuff in the game so I'll be you know I'll be picking that up for him but um yeah I, I, I didn't have any interest until they, they put that announcement out there I did see some Batcat um, cropping up in it, so I will probably have to pick it up to see if that's any good. I have been burned by that in the past, though. No, really? <laughs> I've, I've read stuff I've never talked about on the cast because I've somehow forgotten the title of the of the series, but I read a really, really craptastic Batcat. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> So I don't play Fortnite or or know anyone who really plays Fortnite, but I am curious to see if this becomes similar to the Injustice um, phenomenon where, you know, the Injustice comics went on forever. It was like seven years of Injustice comics. Will we have Fortnite comics that go on like this? I mean, Christos Cage has done a lot of tie-in work, so he probably could do it. We'll have to see if sales go well for them. I mean, I assume that Injustice sold really well, otherwise it wouldn't have kept publishing for that many years. The last piece of news that we learned from solicitations is that for some titles, and it seems like it's mostly titles that have a backup and are thus 30 pages instead of 20 or 22 pages, are increasing the price from $5, which was already an increase from the $4 of regular comics, to $6. So the titles that we're aware of that will probably, but not necessarily, because the prices have not all uniformly changed on the... Uh, DC Connect guide to comics coming out are Batman, Joker, Action Comics, Detective Comics, Superman, and Wonder Woman. So these are all the stories that have backups. Oh, and Justice League. But as I said, the prices have not gone up uniformly. I've heard rumors from people who have talked to DC's marketing teams that the $5 price was supposed to be a bonus for us fans, to which I say that's not a bonus it's a raise, but it's not as much as you intend to raise it all the way. So it's terrible communication. It's a terrible idea because bumping it over the uh, $5 mark really makes you think twice. I have dropped Batman already just because I don't want to be stuck in the middle of an arc that I don't enjoy quite enough to pay $6 a comic for. I am going to keep going with Joker and uh, several other titles, but that's a pain point that you don't want to create for your customers, DC. You should not raise prices like this twice in a row in under six months. If you're not a full-on collector, like I'm not a collector. I, I get the trades of storylines that I enjoy reading. And when a trade is $14 and it collects six issues, 
your average person, well, hopefully knows math <laughs> and and knows just to wait and pick it up in trade if they get it at all. And, and even the even even the annuals are going to be seven bucks, six bucks. That's that's just crazy. So unlike Steph, I am an avid collector. What this this means for me is that with these price increases, I will probably be relying more on digital copies. You know, I'll definitely still be collecting Batman Detective, maybe one or two other books, but a lot of others that you know I I do buy from month to month. Either wait for trade or, or you know I'll wait that six month period and and have it pop up on. DCU Infinite, not a good move. Usually DC has always followed Marvel in doing stuff like this. And I don't think Marvel has increased their prices yet. Not but, recently. Marvel stayed at about four dollars yeah. for quite a while. Adding what, ten pages, you know, for extra two bucks, you know, that especially for stories that's gonna end at some point, not a good move. Not a good move at all. It really isn't. I was okay with adding 10 pages for a dollar because $5 is still at that level where you don't feel like, oh man, this is really taking a chunk out of my wallet. But $6, just there's a psychological thing when you go over half of $10 that really hurts you. And DC is not thinking clearly. And let me tell you, if they raise their, their 20 to 22 page comics to, to $5, that that's that's going to lose a lot more. It, it's just not a good plan. I mean, and and they're already testing it, you know, by constantly putting out oh, I mean, these these cardstock um, the cardstock variants. variants. I've been I've been complaining about the cardstock variants for two years now, and I said this was coming. I didn't realize how bad it was going to be, and I am really mad. So, I I was really excited. I still am excited about the stories that DC's telling and the creators DC's using and. And the artists they're getting, I am very upset with them as a company in terms of my relationship as a, a consumer and a customer, someone who's buying their product. This is the exact opposite. Not only is it just something that, that makes me not want to buy their product, it's communicated chaotically and sneakily. I don't feel like it's honest. Something like this, I think, should be communicated through a release saying all these Titles are jumping, and this is what you can expect, so you can plan your budget. They've done this before. They tried to do this with, with Scott Snyder's Batman. They tried to raise it to $5 back in the day, and Scott Snyder said, no, stop doing that. And so because Scott Snyder was selling so much, they actually took the price back down. But I don't think there's any writer who has that kind of power at this point. Um, I think James Tynan maybe could fight it out, but I think if James Tynan said, no, we're keeping the the price at $5, I'm pretty sure James Tynan's three-year plan for Batman would probably go to a one-year plan for Batman. So it's it's ugly. Well, the only thing we can it, do it's is, not is good. just stop buying it. And, and that's unfortunately what I'm going to have to do. And, and, and I am willing to bet a lot of money that I don't have that, again, this is just more of my bail uh, AKA AT and T controlling things they they have no clue about, and it's, it, I, I I don't think it's going to end well at all. But it, it's not good since AT and T's brought out Warner Brothers. We've seen some we've seen some good things happen, but we've seen a lot more that's not good. And and 
this probably sits up there at the top of, of being the crappiest thing that they've done. They're going to lose a lot of readers this, this way. Well, I don't know about readers since piracy is still an ongoing thing, but they're definitely going to re- lose a lot of buyers. Yeah, I'll put it that way. Yes, they'll, they're going to lose a lot of paying readers. And I say this as someone who subscribes to DC Universe Online. I do have a pull list at my comic shop, but DC, this is – no, this is how you lose people. That being said, <laughs> let's move on to something a bit more positive. At least I think it's more positive. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman. Detective Comics 1034, written by Mariko Tamaki, art by Dan Moore. In the City Hall District of Gotham City, Mayor Nakano is hosting a fundraiser, selling his idea of a new Gotham City to the elite of Gotham including millionaire Bruce Wayne. Suddenly, the party is crashed by the party crashes, donning Jokerized mask. As security rushes the mayor off, Bruce brings it to action. Returning as Batman, he quickly dispatches of the crashers, wondering why they're out of their comfort zone, attempting heists on the wealthy and stealing cell phones instead of wallets. Now secured, Nakano is not pleased to hear that Batman secured the area before GCPD arrived. After disposing of the party crashers, Bruce heads below to the Gotham sewers, where he continues to build his system of mini-caves under the city to replace the cave under Wayne Manor. As he heads home, he's stopped by Lydia Warren, one of his neighbors, who asks him about the events of the night before at the fundraiser. She mentions another neighbor, Neil, who works for the mayor, was also there and saw the turmoil. She invites Bruce to a neighborhood party. Bruce resists, but Bruce's fellow residents insist, promising that the rest of their neighbors are nice people. Bruce yields and promises to bring a treat to the gathering. At the gathering, Bruce, carrying a bottle of high-quality scotch, meets his elite neighbors, all of who he's already familiar with. Neil, the mayor's assistant, is unable to attend, unfortunately. Deb Donovan, the reporter that takes the bottle. The neighbors discuss the state of the city and how they think the new mayor would do. Some have hope. Donovan, the veteran reporter, has her doubts about what Nakano can accomplish at City Hall. At City Hall, Nakano is meeting with his staff, discussing the events at last night's gala. They're discussing how they can turn the messaging from last night to their advantage so that Nakano's vision of the vigilante threat can still ring with the Gothamites. Neil, on the other hand, is not pleased with security management and wants heads to roll. Nakano asks his team to prepare a statement for tomorrow, and he dismisses them. In an abandoned apartment, the party crashes who escaped Batman at the mayor's event are trying to hack one of the cell phones they stole the other night. Suddenly, they receive a text. There's a knock on the door, and suddenly Batman appears. While this is happening, there's a knock on the door of Sam and Sarah Ward, two of Bruce's neighbors. The groggy wife opens the door, and everything goes black. The next day, Bruce is startled by a scream coming from the Ward's home. He arrives to find Sam distraught, and after the police arrived, is joined by Deb Donovan. Sarah has gone missing. The terrorists that have struck other parts of Gotham have made their way to the elite's front door. And Neil, Nakano's assistant, seems to be the culprit. So, we have our first 
official or in continuity issue of Detective Comics, how did you think it compared to our four issue arc of Dark Detective by Tamaki and Mora on art? Well, it was simply better simply because it was it was in continuity. You know, I've always stated that Future State had issues and that it was just so all over the place. Knowing where this story was picking up from after the end of Tomasi's run, um, you know, from that standpoint, it, 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 it wasn't bad at all. Uh, from an overall standpoint, I thought it was a pretty good issue. Uh, I, I thought Tamaki really started laying the pieces together, just like JT did with regards to laying the pieces for what we would eventually get in future state. Uh, we, we, we still see, you know, some questions that are out there, but we also see some answers, you know, a lot of people questioned who some of the individuals in the infinite frontier zero issue were, particularly Deb Donovan. So now we know who she is and what possibly her role might be being a reporter. I think the pieces are being laid out pretty well. I'd agree. Um, this feels like a lot of building out the world because we're not in the familiar territory of Bruce in, is it Westchester or uh, wherever Wayne Manor is? And so building out the neighborhood, I mean, James Tynan has also been building out the neighborhood, but this is building out more of Bruce's life as Bruce or rather as Bruce the Playboy or maybe even former Playboy. Whereas Tynan is doing more Bruce in the new Batcave and stuff. I like it. I like these characters. I'm very interested to see what happens with what's going on. I kind of believe, considering that Mr. Word is supposed to be a new villain for Bruce, that there's going to be some, some type of blame game going around, considering something might happen to Sarah, uh, considering how the issue ends. And um, seeing, seeing, you know, again that this is, he's been described as a villain, as an adversary for Batman. So that's kind of, I guess, that's where we're heading. I'm, I'm kind of down that, you know, that that it again solicitations reveals so much, but again, it's still a really good issue with with building things out and building the characters out, so that even though we may know from solicits for those that read it what's going to be going on the groundwork is is being laid pretty well yeah i'd agree what do you think about the way detective comics art is portraying gotham and batman we've got dan mora on art here and unfortunately he is leaving in i think two issues uh victor bogdanovich is coming and i like victor bogdanovich but he's not as spectacular as dan mora is for me but what do you think about our, our art teams for Batman and Detective? Uh, we have Jorge Jimenez on art in Batman and Dan Mora here. Do you have a preference? Do you think they complement each other or contrast? What's your, what's your feeling on the art? The art is, their art styles are definitely different, uh, which I don't think is a problem considering we're seeing, we're seeing, even though the, the, universes kind of come together with with how things are building towards future state or possible future state uh but the fact that 
things are being looked at differently uh, from from different viewpoints. It can it can allow for different art styles. Uh, do I have a preference? If I if I had a gun put to my head, I would probably take Dan Moore uh, simply because he's he's his his style seems more of a traditional style to me but you can't go wrong with either one i wish i wish that he wasn't as busy so that he could stay on the book longer as well i think he and he and tamaki flow well uh, as as a creative team and we we saw that going back to when uh they did the uh the one shot story doing doing war zone yeah i don't know I, I tend to lean towards Jorge Jimenez myself just because I've been such a big fan of him for about seven or eight years. But Dan Mora's stuff is amazing. And both of them have a really interesting – I would say they, they sort of complement each other because they both have really fine lines. They're not like a thick, heavy, cartoony line, but they're also – they're not really sketchy. They have a lot of uh, control of the line. And it's very energetic and uses a lot of sharp angles for both of them. And they both really love uh, complex designs for costumes and clothing. So I really like that we have just this phenomenal art for both of our main Batman titles. As I said, I, I lean towards Jimenez, but it's not because I dislike Mora at all. It's just sort of familiarity and excitement at seeing an artist I've loved for a long time develop in interesting ways. What specific pieces are you most interested that you see in this issue building towards what Tamaki did in Future State? What I'm seeing, at least at least from Tamaki's end, as compared to what we're seeing in Batman. In Batman, we kind of see that there are things being laid in place to kind of push Nakano, excuse me, to kind of push Nakano into this world of going towards the magistrate. You know, you kind of see him as someone that's not terribly interested uh, and in some ways naive to be getting played by Simon Saint and uh, Scarecrow uh, behind that. But here you kind of see Nakano really not as naive as you would think reading in the pages of Batman. So you're seeing a different side of him. He, he, he is worried about, he is worried about messaging. He is worried about the political side and how the city will see his vision and see him as mayor. And he's wanting to make sure that he has all the things put into place to make sure that that doesn't happen. You see here that he's, he's not for, the magistrate program, whereas in uh, Batman, you know, he's against it, but you could see him kindly, slightly and slowly being tugged in that direction. But here, Tamaki's writing, she's definitely writing Nakano as a stronger character than Tomasi did in his run. So I'd like to see how that continues to play out. 
interesting you mentioned his strength, because I would agree that he's a more interesting and developed character, but he's a very weak mayor because he has no roots in the power base. Like, he got elected because of charisma and sympathy and the turnover based on the Joker War. He doesn't have a way to implement his plan. He doesn't have the funding to implement his plan and, and build his roots. And I'm actually deeply interested in the way that Tamaki's playing with the power bro- brokers of Gotham, these rich people at these parties that Nakano has no connections to. And the journalist, Deb, I think is a really interesting window into that world as well. And I think that's what she's building towards. Again, in Batman, you could you could clearly see he's plausible and he's easily manipulated. Or he, you could see he, that he could be easily manipulated when you see how things are, are slowly starting to get pulled in a direction with regards to implementing the magistrate program. But thank you again, you, you see what Tamaki is, is doing. He realizes that he needs the elite to, to help build this vision. He, 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 you, you, you could, you could, you could see that, you know, he's worried about how the rest of the city sees him, especially each time, Batman shows up and does what the GCPD doesn't do or can't do. So, you know, I I, I think he reckon I think she's writing him as someone who recognizes he's not the typical typical politician, but he is it, it looks like he's going to get there. Yeah, I, I'm very intrigued. I'm really excited to see what Tamaki does with this Nakano and I don't want to say the elite, but it is the elite uh, of Gotham and the the people who have the real power in Gotham. And I'm very curious. Did you – I really got a sense in this opening party of that that scene in Batman Year One where – you know, all of Carpine Falcone and his cronies are are having this big dinner party and Batman breaks in and he says that line, you have feasted well – um, did did you get that same kind of sense from this early scene where the um, the the gang of kind of incompetent thieves break in? Honestly, no that didn't that didn't that didn't hit me at all when when I read it. So I'm I'm, I'm no I, did, I it's especially considering Bruce was amongst those in the, in the gathering, and again, it's weird that he's in the gathering being millionaire considering, you know, he's lost all that he has, but again, to go where, you know, to know that the Wayne family is always going to have a seat at the table, you know, you, you still find him there, but no, I, I didn't, I didn't get year one vibes at all. Although if, if one of the party crashes would have landed and, and placed a cover on top of a, of a, of a flame, I definitely would have got it at that time. All right, let's move on to the Robin backup. Okay, story two. Robin, Demon or Detective, part two, written by Joshua Williams, art by Gleb Melnikoff. Damien stands next to the body of the member of League of Lazarus that held his mother captive in the first part of the series. Talia is disappointed that once again, Batman's influence has caused Damien to abandon his birthright and hesitate. Talia gives the history of her father's empire and how the League of Lazarus, once a member of the Al Ghul's dominion, rebelled against her father. 
The assassins were sent as a message to Talia, who has no interest in the League of Lazarus, nor their upcoming tournament. Damien wants to know more about this, but his mother ignores him. She is, however, interested in regaining control of Leviathan, which she lost in event Leviathan, and rebuilding the Agu Empire. The two depart in Talia's helicopter. Talia wants Damien to help her in rebuilding the Empire, not as her son and heir, but as an assassin, just as the others that serve her. Perhaps this way he can earn his way back into her good graces. But to do so, Damien needed to decide whether he would follow his training from birth or the ways of his father. Would he be the demon or the detective? Before she realizes, Damien is gone. He has made his decision and is going to fight in the League of Lazarus tournament. Elsewhere, members of the League of Shadows are making plans as well. They want to bring the League of Lazarus back into the fold even if they must do so by force by entering the tournament. There is some concern that Damien will enter the tournament, since Talia couldn't be convinced to enter herself. But they have their own secret weapon who can match blows with Damien. What better ways, what better way to take out a Robin than with a hawk? Or better yet, kind of hawk. So, let's start at the at the ending. Um... Do you guys know who Connor Hawk is? Because he hasn't been around for, I think, a decade now. So I'm sure a lot of our listeners don't necessarily know who he is. I had no idea who he was. Connor is one of those... Well, it depends on... I guess it depends on how you look at it. Because, uh, But Connor is the son of Oliver Queen. And I can't remember who the lady was. It's, it's not Dinah, of course, but... Uh, he is the son of Oliver. Yep, he is the son of Oliver, and during the 90s, when Oliver died, he was Green Arrow for a long time, and he was one of the world's best martial artists. Which is why, when they're bringing him back now, they're doing it in this tournament to demonstrate his power as a martial artist, and I think that's kind of exciting. There's a lot of hints with the Green Arrow 80th anniversary 100-page spectacular, that we're going to get a lot of Arrow content coming soon. We haven't had a Green Arrow title for about two years since the title ended with, um, oh goodness. It was was somewhere in the 40s. It might have been 45 or so. But no Green Arrow for a long time, and so... What, that the Benson's run? Yeah. Well, basically their arc. They kind of had one arc to close it out. The Benson's. The Benson's sisters. Yeah, they wrote Batgirl and the Birds of Prey and then moved to Green Arrow. So, Connor Hawk is back, and he looks like he's worked for working for the League of um, Shadows. No, sorry, League of Assassins. Because League of Shadows is Shiva's division, League of Assassins is Ra's, and there's this new League of Lazarus. Right. <laughs> right. I said, I said Shadows, but yeah, it should have been Assassins. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, because if if you're like me and you came into Batman largely through the Nolan movies, the League of Shadows is what you think of because they decided to change it for some reason. <laughs> so uh, that's who Connor Hawk is. Uh, do you think that this two part backup story will be essential for the Robin series, or do you think people will be able to start the Robin series without having read it? Ah, uh, you can't possibly make it vital. I think that if you have two backups. 
that you have to read before you can understand what's going on in a brand new number one comic, that's garbage. I think it should add maybe some value, a little background, a little more understanding, but it better not be required reading. Well, I think if you're someone who's not familiar with the characters, uh, and again, we're going to be introduced to a lot of new people, you know, like, like, like Steph mentioned just before, who's, who's kind of hawk. If you're not someone who's followed the history, or even if you have followed comics, but you're not, you know, a green arrow fan, someone who's, you know, who's followed green arrow, you, you still may not know who the character is. And of course we know why DC put these stories where they are because they wanted to figure out a way to get those who may have been interested in the Robin story to pick up the books if they weren't reading Batman. And of course they wanted those who were picking up Batman, but not reading detective to pick up detective to get, you know, to get the second part of the story, you know, for them, it's all about the dollar. But, you know, if, if it was me, I would be, I would be quite upset if a lot of the story, you know, relies on, what we receive in these two parts. And again, I, I know that that's going to be the case considering again, how, how it ended with Connor and, and we see some of the other players that we know are going to be in the book in the second part as well. DC has been doing some weird things at the plate. I agree with both of you. I don't think that this is going to be essential and it kind of reads that way. It, it kind of reads like a bunch of setup that you could dash off in a couple lines of dialogue or an editor's note. And that leads me to ask, does that add value to the comics for you? It it kind of feels like it kind of feels unessential. It kind of feels like it's not adding value. I think that anything that adds more information, new character sneak peeks, new behind the scenes off panel land, if you will, is fine, especially if you're going to do it in a backup of an unrelated book. I don't think it should add essential. Like I said, it better not be required reading. But anything that adds depth, I think is worth it. Even if it's just a little character development. Like in this case, we see, no, Damien is not here to team up with his mom. He is not turning his back fully on his dad's teaching. He's, he's trying to figure out who he is without embracing either of them as as his... North Star, whatever. It's probably a little too poetic, but uh, I think anything that adds off-panel that we complain about on makes it on-panel. Um, I think is is worth worth it, especially if it puts Damien in both Batman and Tech. Then I'm I'm happy with that. And, and again, I think the most obvious reason other than, you know, making a quick buck or more of a quick buck is to try to get more people excited for the story uh, so that they can get a few more uh, readers to pick it up. If I wasn't interested in picking up Robin when it comes out after reading the first part, uh, getting to the end of the second part uh, with the reveal of Kana definitely made, would make me uh, want to pick this up to see where it's, where it's going. I guess my reaction is more based on the fact that this story felt padded. There's a lot of stuff that's action that doesn't really flow from character and a lot of stuff that's just building 
it, it felt like suspense for sp- suspense sake. Like the reveal of Connor takes three pages when it could have been one. And the fight with Damien and the League of Lazarus and Talia was the bulk of the issue. And it's really not that interesting. So the art was good. I just feel the writing's kind of lacking. It felt like a trailer that was stretched out into a 20 page story. And for me, it was nice, but it didn't, it didn't quite feel like it added value. So that that's what I'm taking from it right now. Just like Connor Hawk, some of our listeners may not know the story of event Leviathan since that was primarily a Superman focused book written by Brian Bendis art by Alex Maleev. Basically the idea there was after a prolonged civil war within Leviathan that's covered in the silencer series, really good series by Dan Abnett and a bunch of different artists. I definitely recommend checking it out. Um, Talia regains control of Leviathan, but then loses it immediately to a man named Mark snow, who is the Manhunter. And he tries to either kidnap or destroy all superheroes and super agencies like the DEO and Argus and so forth. Uh, Checkmate and Spiral and all of them were wrapped up, kidnapped, and either put under his control or a bunch of them were killed, uh, like Lois Lane's father. So Talia is very angry because she lost control of Leviathan in this coup by Mark Shaw. And that plot line is going to be playing out a bit in the Checkmate miniseries that's coming up by Brian Bendis, since Talia is going to be a, a character there. But it looks like we're also going to see some pieces of that show up in the Robin series, which is exciting. I like that kind of background world building going on. Uh, but hopefully that gives you some idea. Steph, does that sort of fill you in on Event Leviathan and what happened there? Yes, thank you. All right. And hopefully that did for our listeners as well. I did actually review Event Leviathan on the site if you want to check those out. So hopefully those will give you a a recap of what happened. Any last comments on the Robin backup? Does anyone else think that calling it a tournament is kind of stupid? (laughs) Like, this is apparently like the best of the best of literally just the league of Raz's minions and sub minions determining who's the best of the best and they're calling it a tournament i don't know it seems stupid tournaments are i don't know for sports not mass murder (laughs) like i think a gauntlet or a, a battle royale sounds more badass and cooler but I don't think I don't think the the tournament is limited to to just former Algu alkalites. I think it's just being open to everyone that's getting the best of the best and you know, it's just that the various leagues are going gonna be in play. Uh, I don't know, maybe maybe they're they're grabbing this tournament thing, you know, simply from what we saw uh, over in the X books over at Marvel, where they had where they had their their tournament. I can't, I can't remember if they called it the tournament in the X of Swords or not, but uh, I don't know. It, it, it's neither here nor there for me. The Marvel, the Marvel. Dustin is so angry. All right, so let's rate Detective Comics, including Robin number two, the backup, out of five bottles of Batman's wine. That the journalist likes to drink. Uh, I know I didn't comment during the actual uh, 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 review, but uh, I loved the art. 
It is a little bit of kind of, I don't know, a boring setup, but I just loved how much we got to see of Bruce and how he's functioning as both Bruce Wayne and Batman with his new monetary limitations. I am looking forward to seeing how he's going to go from being a only a millionaire to um, literally broken on the run in future state. Uh, so that's going to be an interesting transformation into the depths of despair. But I, I very much liked it. I would say three and a half. And, you know, Damien always gets an extra half point. Three and a half. Uh, I gave it a four on the site, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with that. Again, the Connor Hawk reveal was, was absolutely great for me. But, you know, even even without that piece, the the way Tamaki is is seems to be setting things up seems to be, you know, quite in line with what JT is doing over in Batman, if not better, especially seeing that we're seeing more from the from the viewpoint of, of Bruce Wayne the person in the neighborhood. Uh and I'm enjoying that. And and again you can't go wrong with, with Dan Morris art. You know, the worst thing about this art is that it's it's gonna be limited to only a few issues and I wish I wish we could get more. Uh but yeah, it was a four for me. I'm gonna give it a three point five bottles out of five. Um this is definitely more than the average good comic, which is a three for me. The slowness or, or padding feeling of the Robin comic kinda of held it back from a full four, which I think is excellent. I did I am very excited about Connor. I'm really I really hope that that's a cool thing leading into a, an Arrow book uh, where Connor and Amico and I've heard rumors that Speedy from before the New 52 is coming back. So lots of really cool Arrow news. So I'm really excited about the concepts. I just think the execution was a little bit lacking for me. So it's a 3.5 overall out of five wine bottles. I'm going to let you guys do the math because I don't I don't know what it is. Whether you are a first-time TBU Comics podcast listener, a 13-year veteran, or anything in between, we'd love to hear what you think about this episode or any of the comics we discussed. Send emails to tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net. Join our Discord server linked at thebatmanuniverse.net. Send us a tweet at tbu underscore comics. Or, if you're a patron, leave us a comment on our Patreon page. We'd also love it if you left us a review on iTunes. We'd love to read your comments on the next episode of the Batman Universe Comics Podcast. Batman may claim he works alone, but we know that he needs the Bat Family. Join the TVU Bat Family and let us know what you think. We'll move on to the next segment, Batman Catwoman. Um, I'm going to recap issues numbers one through three, and then we're going to review issue number four, which is this week's issue. Um, the way I've chosen to break this down is the stories have three timelines. There's the past, which happens right after Batman and Catwoman become romantically paired in the beginning of Batman Annual Number 2 by Tom King and Lee Weeks. There's the present, which takes place right after City of Bane. Alfred is dead. Batman and Catwoman are in a committed relationship, although I'm not sure if they consider themselves married or not. Um, and the future, which is about... 25 years, 25 to 30 years in the future, Bruce Wayne has just died in Batman Annual at the very end of that story. Catwoman is on her own, and the main hero of Gotham City is Batwoman, Helena Wayne, the daughter of Bruce and Selina. So, 
Timeline 1, The Past. Batman and Catwoman are in love, but Catwoman is also an active thief and friends with the Joker. She steals a golden lion necklace from one of Joker's murder victims, tangling herself in Batman's first major conflict with the Joker, and lies to Bruce that she wasn't there with the Joker. The Joker then tells her that he's planning to bomb a skating rink, leading to mass slaughter, putting her in the difficult situation of having to tell Bruce to save lives, but also reveal that she has been lying to Bruce herself. In the present, Andrea Beaumont... The first love of Bruce Wayne, and the murderous vigilante known as Phantasm, has lost her 14-year-old son, Andrew. Batwoman and Catwoman, who has a snazzy new gray outfit, track down her son, but he has been killed with Joker toxin, unleashing the Phantasm in a one-woman war on the Joker and all his henchmen. With so many of his helpers being slaughtered by Andrea, Joker takes refuge with Batman, but he's deliberately leading the Phantasm to conflict with the heroes. Phantasm attacks Catwoman in Wayne Manor, leading to both lying on the ground unconscious. In the future, after Bruce's death, his daughter Helena, Batwoman, collaborates with Dick Grayson in an investigation of the murder of the Joker in Florida. What we know, though, is that Selina Kyle, the widow of Bruce Wayne and his only heir, was the one who traveled to Florida by herself and slit Joker's throat after a brief violent struggle. Batwoman claims that the crime scene of the Joker's murder was clean, which leads us to the current issue. Batman Catwoman, number four, written by Tom King, art by Clay Mann, and colors by Tomu More. The past. While skaters at the ice rink fly on the ice beautifully, the Joker's bomb ticks down. Selina reluctantly tells Bruce about the attack, and he rushes off to save them by punching through the ice with his glove. He then confronts Catwoman and demands to know where the Joker is. Selina challenges him, asking if he will treat her like all the other criminals, and runs away, leaving Batman alone on the roof. In the present, Phantasm plots her revenge in the Batcave, holding Selina hostage and planning to trade Catwoman's life for the Joker. In the future, Batwoman interrogates Penguin, Tweedledee and Tweedledum, Scarface, Zaz, Clayface, and Freeze, demanding the truth about her mother and the Joker. Later, Selina confronts Penguin, letting her cat kill his penguin, claiming ownership of Gotham City. So, what do you think about Batman Catwoman so far, and this issue specifically? I've liked it so far. I don't know if I like old Selena. She's doing things that I don't associate with her character at all. I can understand killing Joker because I feel like at this point, if you live in Gotham and you don't hate Joker enough to kill him, there's probably something wrong with you. (laughs) I'm not saying anyone should commit murder, but I'm saying everyone's level of hatred for him should be that high because he's scum, right? So that was kind of okay. You're your reason for not killing has has died. You hate Joker. I get it, right? But then she goes and she is she has her kitty cat rip the throat out of the poor innocent penguin. That wasn't the penguin's fault. That penguin's not innocent. <sighs> Unless that's Polly or whatever her name was, Molly, his wife, <laughs> or whatever. I choose to disregard the theory that penguin married a bird. Penguin married a human. 
who was 30 years younger than himself, and she died. That's all. <laughs> and I wasn't a big fan of her getting, like, so angrily defensive when Batman approached her. Like, she knew that had to be coming. She willfully lied. And so, like, you know, he's going to ask you questions. And he's not even being mean about it. He's just like, so how'd you know all this stuff about Joker? And she's like, blah, 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 swear word. And I'm like, uh, I feel like there, there's got to be more going on. Because uh, uh, I I did not like her character. What do you think, Theo? Well, one of the things that, you know, some of the things that we do as we we record the podcast is that we, you know, we type back and forth to each other and we ask questions and we mess around. And I'm sitting here as Ian is doing his his summary of the issue because I took a completely different take on how the story was presented, you know, especially from from a timeline standpoint. And I'm I'm still trying to put those pieces together. Tom King is is, this is really hard to read on an issue by issue basis. I'm glad I read all four issues in a row because I got a really good idea of what the plot is going on in my head. Whereas before I did my reread to do the summaries, I was like Hmm. Well, I know that Andrea is killing people in the present. I know that Catwoman and Joker are friends in the past, but I have no idea what they're doing. So reading it all yeah, together it, it, really it makes is, more sense. It is it is really hard to 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 follow follow along because as I'm seeing it, Ian is steady saying it's steady reading the summary as Selena being confronted by phantasm as being in the present where I'm thinking, well, that was in the past. And after she tells Bruce about the bomb and it, it, it just goes to show how these, these switching timelines can just completely throw you off from a story to where you, you, you may need to do like what Ian suggested is getting all of the issues and reading it together or just waiting till it comes out in trade and, and taking it from that standpoint. But it, it can really throw you for a loop because I'm, I'm thrown for a loop right now with where things are. Now, I'm also going to piggyback on what Steph said as well. I don't like this Selena. I, I don't like old lady Selena and, and how King is presenting her, the voice he's given her right now. And I don't know if this is simply because of Bruce being dead or, or if something else happens between, you know, the, the point she killed Joker and how she's acting now and, and sending Kitty to kill the penguin. And, and but I, I, I do know I don't like this Selena and I'd rather she just go back to the Selena we all know and love. Well, and, I and so I just wanted to kind of tag on to what Thea was saying about the timeline. It is. I don't think there's too much of a time difference between the past and the present, if that's what we need to call them. This is obviously not really the present anymore, but Tom King's present. So, like, they didn't even give her a different hairstyle or or anything like that. So it can be so confusing to to read that. And I can totally get where he's coming from. Yeah, I do wish that there was more <laughs> costumes because the... Yeah. the- the dark costume for the past and the gray costume for the present really yes. helps to differentiate. If they're and, in costume. And, so when she goes from a ball gown to her prisoner underwear, it's 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 hard. Yeah, and between past and present, we, we still see 
two different types of Selenas. You know, we 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 see a Selena that's that's with Phantasm, and she is truly remorseful in the fact that her son died, and you know she's apologetics and hey, we tried everything we could. And then after Bruce saved the skating rink, she comes off as quite a bleep, you know, and I'm like, who is this? You know, and there's not much difference between when she's confronted by Huntress in a cave and when she's confronted by Bruce on 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 the rooftops. And it's I don't know, but I'm not I'm not liking Selena right now. I think this is really fascinating because I, I watched a video by Casually Comics, who's a, a longtime YouTuber, but she's recently kind of had a lot of algorithmic growth. And she commented that she feels that Tom King is writing Catwoman as having subsumed herself in Batman's identity until he died. And then she sort of reverts to a criminal persona or personality uh, as old Selena. I think it's a little different for me. My my reading so far, and again, we're not even halfway through this story. Tom King does a lot of twists and turns, and so anything I say is just interpretation, and I could be proven wrong very easily. But here's how I'm reading it. I think that the past is about 10 years ago. Um, the present is just after City of Bane, so it's roughly the present now. And then the future is about 30 years in the future. The past is just after... Bruce and Selina meet and fall in love and start sleeping together. And the criminal underworld is reacting to that. And Selina is reacting to that. She doesn't know who she is being in love with and being committed in a way to a hero, someone who puts everyone's life before his. Whereas she, being cast aside by her parents, her parents hoped she would die. And that's something that's explicitly said in this comic. She did what she had to to survive. So she has to take care of herself or she will die. Whereas, you know, Bruce had many people taking care of him, which gave him the room mm-hmm. to become a hero, a room to to save other people at the cost to his own comfort and even his life sometimes. And so, see, I, I, I think I think I, I, I don't think there's as much time in between the, the timelines as you do. And again, maybe and maybe it's because I've been reading issue by issue and, and, and you took out the opportunity to read all four. And, and I don't know, I just think at least with what, what we're calling past and present, that things are closer than what they seem. But I don't know. It, it's really confusing. And it's, it, it may be one of those things where you, you, you really won't get a, a, a full gist of what's going on and where things are going until you read those stories collectively, you know, which which has always been an issue for me with how comics are being written today because they're being written for trades instead of being written for story. But it is what it is. Yeah, part of me wishes that they could release this as a graphic novel because I would love to just read or maybe two graphic novels, you know, the rough equivalent of six issues each. Oh, and one thing I should mention is that Batman Catwoman is not solicited for June, which is disturbing because Tom King has said that all of his stuff is going bi-monthly, which means every other month. And one of the reasons we had to wait for a year and a half for Batman Catwoman is the idea that we'd get a monthly release. And to hear that it might be going bi-monthly is really disappointing. I'm I'm kind of frustrated. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Considering that, again, the delay was to allow Clay to get everything done and, and not have any delays. Yeah. And, yeah. and we know that there's like six or seven issues finished. So this is really not a good sign. 
Let me get back to what I was trying to sort of sketch out my view of Catwoman's arc. In the past, which again, I think is about 10 years ago, because this is supposed to be very early. This is one of the first conflicts between Batman and the Joker. This is one of the first times that Batman and Catwoman have been together. Throughout King's run, he said that they've uh, come in and out of having a relationship, that they've gone through periods where they're more enemies. And this is clearly a period where they're more allies, but she's, she's figuring it out. This is very early Catwoman. She still thinks of herself as a criminal. And so that's my view of the Catwoman who, you know, swears at Batman. And she's like, will you treat me like all the other criminals? That's early Catwoman. She doesn't understand what she wants to be yet outside of a thief. Present day Catwoman, we haven't seen a ton of her, actually. She's mostly been helping Batman. And that I can see the argument that Casually Comics was making about her being subsumed in Batman's identity. She's become a hero, but Maybe she hasn't fully thought through what that means to her, her own motivations. So I'm really excited to see what happens as she's held hostage, because Catwoman's not a very good hostage. Another thing to add for for present-day underwear, Selena. <laughs> I saw Catwoman's thong a lot, and I was, uh, I was a little <laughs> taken aback by that. And, you, and even past Selena, I, I was uh, reading Cat, or Catwoman fan fiction, which is... Uh, cattails but in it she's acquaintances with joker and they even like do online chatting and bruce finds out and freaks out he's like why are you friends with with joker and she goes i am not friends with joker no one is friends with joker you stay on good terms with the serial killing psychopath as best you can so that he doesn't get set his eyes on you (laughs) so i do wonder if it is more of a save yourself kind of friendship, like keep keep the crazy person from hating you or deciding that all the cats needed, you know, had their ears chopped off or something like that, whatever Joker <laughs> might do. I don't know. Um, but, it, but it's clearly obvious that her relationship to Joker, you know, is it, far different from that relationship between the others. And you kind of get that when... Helena is questioning the surviving members of the rogues gallery. Everybody got along. We were all, you know, we were all a part of this gallery. We got together and we hung out and we did. But there was always something, always something that was between Joke and Selena. I'm hoping King is not going somewhere with that. Obviously, you know, considering she she kills the Joker in the end, we don't. But it's still just one of those things that just makes you wonder the type of relationship those two have or has had, at least in in King's mind. So that brings us to future Selena. And I view future Selena as one who is, she's obviously grieving Bruce, but she's also free in a way because she talks about how Bruce tried to make her promise not to kill again. And I think that this series is really examining Catwoman struggling to, to find her identity. Who is she? Does she have a hero? Is she a hero? Is she a criminal? Is she a killer? What defines her? And I think that that is a really, I'm really interested in it because Catwoman in King's Batman run tended to be, she enjoyed life. She had fun, but she, she did tend to skew towards the heroic. She didn't make any real choices that were really dark. The closest you got was things like her stealing the wedding dress and kind of messing up someone's dress make her shot. And that's definitely a selfish move, but it's not the kinds of thing, the kinds of wrong choices we see her making in this series. And I think that's because King wants to view her as a, as a whole person, not just as a reward or a partner for Batman. 
I do hope that he doesn't end up making her... So King has, like, two basic characters he writes. He writes the sad man who's sad, and he writes the ruthless woman who's ruthless. And if you've read... This is very obvious in Omega Men, Kyle Rayner is the sad man who is sad, and the princess is the ruthless woman who is ruthless. And the princess really reminds me of what he's doing with Catwoman here, but she's way more. I mean, she's genocidal. She kills whole planets. So this is definitely in King's general types of characters he writes, but I'm hoping he will confront Selina with the consequences, because I want this series to be a satisfying conclusion to Batman that he wrote in the main continuity. And if it becomes, you know, a justification of lethal revenge on the Joker, I don't think that's a fitting conclusion for what he was saying in his Batman run. So I I hope that he, he goes a bit deeper than, well, Batman's dead, so it's okay to kill the Joker. That doesn't seem very satisfying. And I think he will. But if we end up in that way, I'm definitely going to be a little annoyed. I do want to just take some time and say, for all the wait, and if we do have to wait for bi-monthly, I am going to be quite angry, but the art is incredible. Um, Even with all the weird thong shots, and there's a lot of (laughs) anger about Batwoman's design, because she basically looks like she's not wearing any pants. She's just kind of naked with a vest on. Um, I thought this issue was better, though. I wasn't quite as... There's less detail around the crotch this time, (laughs) even though her belly button is still quite... Yeah, but but Clayman surely does like writing. I mean, drawing butts. He he really <laughs> likes drawing butts. Um, he likes drawing butts, and he likes having Selena in her underwear. And I Jeez. can't necessarily disagree with him, but I'm not sure I need a whole comic of it. <laughs> if I was if I was a, if I was a young man going through puberty, I would be all for this. <laughs> so I think it is definitely. A comic that revels in the beauty of the female human form, although there's definitely a lot of beautiful Batman form as well. But in terms of just texture and design and composition, and Tomomore is killing it on the covers. It's a very mature color scheme. It's not it's not the kind of like Zack Snyder kind of gray tone. It's it's got lots of color, but it's it's muted in a way that doesn't seem artificial. And it's very there's a lot of colors fading into each other. There's, there's like a really complex interaction of colors that you don't see in some of the more mainstream comics where it's just like really contrasting colors to get that popping effect. And so I I just loved reading these four issues all together. It was a gorgeous experience visually. So I, I very much hope that we go back to a monthly schedule in July, but we'll, we'll have to see. What do you guys think of the rogues that they bought back? Uh, well, was I mean, there's, was, there's a lot of them. Was, was that, that, that freeze? Yeah, that was Nora. Was it Nora, Nora? So, or was it like their daughter? She seemed pretty young, but I guess if she's frozen, well, she, she could like be. A, but she was seemed like a doctor. Like there's a laptop, she has glasses, she's in like a professional attire in front of naked tube Mr. Freeze. Yeah, I took it as being Nora, you know, from from uh Tomasi's run. Yeah. It could be. It could be. She seems young though. What do you guys think about Dick being commissioner? That was a really interesting choice. I mean, it, it, it's 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 not unusual. I mean, if you consider in in Batman Beyond, Barbara's commissioner, you know, so the possibilities of those type of things happening, you know, it's not not out of the realm of possibility. Does Dick do cop training 
Or is he like a rookie detective? Or am I thinking of the Flash? I might be thinking. He of the was Flash. he was a cop in Nightwing at one point. Was he? Yeah, during Chuck Dixon's like run he... in the nineties, he was a cop for quite a while. Okay, because I don't think you can just become a commissioner because you feel like it. <laughs> well, like I said, this is thirty years in the future, so lots of stuff could have happened. Now, tell me this: the the guy with his hands out the bars was that Zaz? Yes, that was Oz, because you could see the hash marks on his skin. Yeah, I was. You couldn't tell if those were if those were the hash, you know, the hashes, or if that was something something else. But I wonder if that was Oz or not. Oh, you're right. Yeah, Scar- Scarface hasn't aged a bit. <laughs> Scarface or uh, Wesker? No, Scarface. Oh, no, Wesker, Wesker looks, is all as crap. <laughs> Wesker looks horrible. They're they're really pushing the whole Wesker isn't the voice and character because he's like almost catatonic behind <laughs> behind the puppet any last thoughts on the art or the story of batman catwoman before we get a rating i look forward to where this is going i have concerns about selena's character but like you said this is only issue four tom king is known for his twists and turns he did so well in the run and in the annual I have many reasons to be hopeful. Yeah, I, I will only say that, you know, I might go the in route and as these issues come out, uh, hold off unless we absolutely have to read it in order to uh, try to get a better sense of, of where things are going. You know, he's he's definitely pushing this more in the style of what he did in, in Mr. Miracle and what he's doing with his other series so um yeah this this definitely looks better reading and trade but you can't go wrong with clay man on it yeah i agree i think this is a beautiful series i am very intrigued and engaged and i really am glad that i read it all together i was planning to wait till issue six to do this but since we plan to do this on the podcast i decided to go ahead and it really clicks in your head more when you read it in chunks so out of Five Batwoman utility vests <laughs> instead of belts. Uh, how how would you rate Batman Catwoman number four? Mm, I think I'm going to have to give this a three just because of my concerns for Selena's character. The art is beautiful. I'm so interested in where the story is going. It's not a reflection of the story as a whole. I just was really turned off by it. And that may change in the future. But if we're going by single issues, I have to say a three. I will give it a three and a half. I will also give it a three and a half, which gives our mode score a 3.5. I refuse to do the math on the average. And now, let's turn our attention towards Greater Gotham. We have a bunch of books to cover today. Catwoman number 29, Nightwing number 78, Teen Titans Academy number 1, Harley Quinn number 1, White Knight Harley uh, White Knight presents Harley Quinn number 1, number 6, The Conclusion, and Batman Black and White number 4. Let's start with Catwoman number 29. I just This of course is Ram V and Fernando Blanco continuing their run from before, starting with Bat, uh, Catwoman number 25 and then she they had the two-issue Catwoman Future State run that we really liked. I was a little less... I don't know. I I still really like the construction of this issue, but I was a little less enthusiastic because of two things. Number one, Selina doesn't really seem to have a personal stake right now. And number two, 
Uh, I see hints of Selena and Detective Hadley flirting, and I'm not I'm not into that. I think she's a flirtatious person. I didn't actually see it so much on her end. I think he's a little more friendly to her. But I think I think that's just maybe for the sake of the book, but I don't see it as anything serious or actual relationship. I think he's just like, I mean, his name is literally Hadley, which is so similar to Bradley. I think he's just a younger Bradley, Slam Bradley, for the Catwoman book. And I think it's, I'm, I'm fine with it. You need a little sexual tension in a book. I need a little sexual tension in a book. And I don't actually see that much coming from her. It doesn't bother me. She's definitely being flirtatious, but I think she's being flirtatious from the standpoint of manipulating Hadley. So, you know, I, I don't see much coming from it from the standpoint from the standpoint of, of shipping. Uh it better not. I will not be on board with that at all. This 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 issue was okay, but compared to the previous issues that that Rom Rom V, and I make sure we say it right. It's Rom V, not Ram V. That in the previous issues that he's put out, and you can't forget what he did in Future State with Catwoman. This this was kind of a low. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of, kind of what I'm thinking. It's definitely not a bad issue by any means, but I mean, Catwoman Future State was just such a high. It was such a good arc, and you know the, the aftermath of Joker War was so exciting. So. I'm hoping this is just like first issue of the new arc. We're going to build up. So that's kind of my thoughts on Catwoman 29. Moving on to Nightwing number 78, the hotly anticipated team of Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo, fresh off of Suicide Squad, is doing Nightwing. Do you read the relationship between Dick and Babs as more longtime friends, or is there a romantic component going on right now? So I think I had read your question in the Discord server about that before I read it. So that was in my mind as I was reading. And as I was reading, I was thinking, gosh, I do not miss Uber Rick. Especially at the beginning, he was so rude and he was so cruel and so mean. And Barbara was one of the only people that went out to visit him face to face and just try to talk to him. And we were all pissed off that he's such a jack wagon. Like... How dare you be so rude? Like, I know you don't know her, but she's obviously a cute redhead who's coming to visit you and check up on you. The least you can do is be polite. Anyway, whew, sorry, I have feelings. <laughs> and then, so what did we want? And this, I think, is the healthy relationship of a couple that started dating out of mutual love and respect and friendship, decided to break up, and they still have a loving respectful friendship and i don't think you have to read into it more than just a friend supporting a friend i mean he's reading especially at the end you know he's reading alfred's will you'd want to hold anybody's hand you feel safe with so i don't think you have to read into it i think you could very easily go the romantic route but i don't think you have to read into that i think that this, I think we're so not used to seeing couples staying healthy friends after they break up because just so many divorces and relationships just end in just brim firestone disaster. <laughs> we're not used to seeing this. And I think this is a healthy, healthy relationship for them to be in. I, I really, really love their relationship. I shall get off my soapbox now. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> and, 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 and if I can kind of 
piggyback on that with the with the healthy relationship piece. Again, it's 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 not romantic right now. And knowing that and seeing that, it, it again just chaps my hide. The, the one thing that I wanted out of the whole Uber Rick saga was for Dick and B to continue their relationship and see where it could have gone. And if there was, if there, it, it doesn't seem like Tom Taylor is going to take us down the, the Dick Babs train anytime soon. And if that was the case, you know, the, the whole excuse thing about Bruce being right and that you can't be happy and, and, and do what I do thing that, you know, that Dick used as an excuse to, to break up would be, you know, which I thought was crap then is still crap now. You know, it's, if he and Babs are not going to ex- explore that relationship again, I, I, I would have loved to have seen that relationship between Dick and B continue and, and to see where it grew to, where it could, grow, could have grown, grown to. Um, but yeah, when you look at their interaction, they know who they are, what they are to each other, and what they were to each other. Uh, you know, whether it's going all the way back to when they were younger or even when they were together as a couple. And I think they are, you know, Steph says it's, it's healthy. I say it's comfortable. They are comfortable where they are with who they are to each other. And I'm okay with that. But, you know, again, I just wish she, they, that being the case that they could have allowed uh, Dick and, and B to continue along their road before um, ultimately writing her off in one one way or another. I think these are very good takes. I just happen to be the cranky person who doesn't like Tom Taylor on this podcast. No, and so, he's so great! I don't like him. Um, and so I'm frustrated. I, I'm i tired of DC, to use an expression, dicking around with Dick and Babs. <laughs> I want them to give us a sincere, honest look at Dick and Babs being in a relationship with that being status quo for years. Not will they or won't they for a couple years. Like they, they played with this in Hope Larson's run. They played with this in Margaret Scott's run. Then they went with Jason Bard as Babs love interest in Cecil Castellucci's run. Like I want them to commit to Jason to, to Dick Grayson and Barbara Gordon being the primary love interest, being in a committed, healthy relationship. And of course they're going to have drama because that's the story and stuff, but they can be in a committed relationship with that, being the status quo for a minimum of two years, preferably five. But 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 now it isn't the right time. They did. They both have gotten out of well. I'm, relationships I'm not that saying. They were- I'm not saying you're wrong in terms of I don't want them to do what they did to Tim and Steph in Detective Comics. We're just like, boom, you're magically together now. Kiss. I, I would like to see that relationship gradually grow, but I, I'm frustrated. Because of what we're going to talk about in Teen Titans Academy, <laughs> I, I think that is just, I, I feel like I'm being yanked around. And I think that, as Theo says, if you're not going to start with Dick and Babs exploring a romantic relationship 
Why'd you have to get rid of B? That's dumb, DC. But what's new? You've treated D- Dick dumb for two and a half years. Why change now? Moving on to Teen Titans Academy, the reason I'm upset about this is because Dick and Corey are very clearly flirting, at least, and it seems to me like they're in a relationship, which means that Dick is just moving right on from B with Corey, and it's... I I just... I don't like being yanked around like this. I don't care about Dick and Corey as a couple. I do like Starfire, but I don't care about her as a romantic partner for Dick. However, I mean... (laughs) Future State Teen Titans seemed so disconnected from absolutely anything it was almost like metal it was a mess let's just say it just but i'm just saying so and then obviously they're really going the the future state route with this because what whatever x face is i i looked him up the only place x face has showed up was in future state in the comics and in like the teen tartans cartoons so this is I'm willing to put Teen Titans in a different universe. Ignore the fact that Damien somehow is in Teen Titans and and his book and tech Detective Comics with the same issues as the same person. And putting that aside, I'm willing to take Teen Titans as a different universe. It's not doesn't bother me. <laughs> well, we're about to drop this from the schedule because I'm not going to keep reading this book. However, no, I don't want to keep it. Um, the kids all the kids all bother me. Well, I <laughs> like you little brats. I <laughs> liked Brat Girl. I thought she was fun, but there was not nearly enough focus given to her to like make her a fleshed out character that makes me want to read issue two. So. I I have zero interest in any of the students. Yeah, most period. of the students are just blank slates, and it's kind of annoying. Yeah, it's just I, I I don't know, and you know, the whole thing with 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 Dick and Corey again. I will forever be a Dick Babs shipper, but there's always going to be this thing with with Dick and Corey, and I don't think we'll ever see the end of it but it doesn't have to be the rebound from b you know (laughs) yeah that book doesn't exist in the world it's fine (laughs) okay (laughs) let's move on to harley quinn number one by stephanie phillips and riley rosmo i have to admit this was a little confusing i didn't really dig it but it's not bad i just i miss sam humphrey's run i really liked what he was doing there the art threw me so much. It's real weird art. <laughs> it's real weird art. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just so unlike any other book. It was. It's a bit. It was a bit jarring to go from one book to that one to another one. I was like, well, but you know, I I, I liked it. I was just saying, I I really did like it. I liked Harley's heart. I liked that she's trying to do well. I like the kind of mishaps and the misunderstandings. Um, I liked her teaming up with that random former Joker guy with the weird neck tattoo. <laughs> but I thought it was interesting, and it kept me engaged, and it related enough to Batman that I cared. It wasn't, I I didn't love the past runs that one was so deadpool level just off the wall it didn't quite fit in with the batman universe so 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 i'm gonna of course admit i did not read this um (laughs) you know i everybody who knows me knows i i it's tough for me to get into harley and you know if it's not harleen and i'm actually okay with what she's doing in jt's run so i will ask if this following What's going on in in Batman? That's what it is. Well, that's good to know. 
that it's, it's basically her side of of it's is basically more focused on her and what she's going through and what she's thinking and how being a hero now is affecting her with like no financial income because she's not a criminal anymore. Yeah, but I will say Raleigh Rosmo's art is one of those things that it takes a while to grow on you. And for a lot of people, that just never happens because it, 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 that's, that style only works in certain types of stories, at least in my opinion. Like, for example, when he did the, um, the story in, was that the Robin anniversary with the, with the ghosts? Yeah, that was James Tynan's yes. in, no, that wasn't uh, Robin, it, it, that was Detective 201027. That was Detective? That was, okay. You know, that, that style fit the story, you know, it, 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 it fit the story with the ghosts and everything else that was going on, but it, it doesn't work in everything. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say it works here or not because I didn't read the issue, but I, I just know from, from how he draws it, it definitely has to grow on, on people. And for some people, it, 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 it never happens. We also had White Knight Presents Harley Quinn number six. This was the finale to Sean Murphy's uh, White Knight spinoff. I thought it was really fun. I don't have a ton to say because it's AU, but man, the art is amazing, and I definitely would check it out. It was a fun story by Katana Collins, who is also Sean Murphy's wife. Yeah, I liked the ending a lot better than the some of the middle parts. A little slightly overdramatic for me. Yeah, um, it, did. it had an uneven middle, definitely, but I think it ended well. It was weird that Bruce snuck out of prison. Harvey catches him, but then lets him go dress up as Batman and drive around in the Batmobile. That was a little weird. That kind of took me out a little bit. But other than that, I did. I did like it, and it really kind of sets up Harley as her own person and not reliant on anyone. I I liked that. Yeah, I, I like it. it it was definitely better than some of those middle issues as as my co-host already stated. Uh, but you can never go wrong with Sean Murphy's art. And the writing was okay. It wasn't it wasn't that far off from what he did in the two books he wrote himself. So I am a okay with, with seeing more from Mrs. Murphy uh as as the White Knight universe continues. And lastly, we have Batman Black and White number four. Um, specifically, I want to... What? Maps. Yes. We have Maps. a story by Carl Kershaw, who's uh, written and drawn by Carl Kershaw, who's one of the creators and the main artist for Gotham Academy, which we did a Patreon cast about, Steph and I. Definitely check that out. Also check out Gotham Academy. This story was really... It was both sweet and very dark because it was uh, a supernatural murder-suicide story and Maps was a Robin helping Batman investigate a haunted house. And I just thought it was really exciting and well done. And the art was gorgeous. Um, I thought Maps was underutilized at the end. She was definitely charming and fun to be with at the beginning. I liked that Batman was all, there's no such things as ghosts. And then it's like, there's really no other ways to explain what happened. Well, it was more oh, like so a was... time portal than a ghost thing. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it, it seems you know, the first thing I thought of was the old um, the series finale of Star Star Trek: The Next Generation, where they basically created a paradox, <laughs> and you know, Bruce found himself being the ghost, which actually he wasn't. You know, he was just somehow bought 
to the past. And I, yeah, I would have liked to have seen maps used in a different type of story to where utilization could have been better. But it, it was okay for what we got. I just would have liked to have seen more. Yeah, I think that's my complaint is is they use this character who fits. I thought she fit the story perfectly. She's curious what's going on. This is weird. This is spooky. <gasps> then go wait in the car. It's like, this <sighs> Well, the the window has been opened, and I'm hoping we can see some more maps in the future, because mm-hmm. uh, Becky Cloonan is writing some stories for the Batman Legends of the Dark Knight digital first series. So maybe she'll be able to sneak maps in there. The other stories are nice. Uh, Becky Cloonan herself wrote a story illustrated by Rachel and Terry Donson uh, about Batman investigating a murder at a circus. That was kind of a fun little mystery. I definitely would recommend picking this issue up. It's been one of the highlights of the Black and White series, which has otherwise been kind of only one or two good stories so the fact that i think there's like three or four good stories in this one is a good thing but that wraps up greater gotham some things we're definitely going to be dropping some things we'll probably drop in and out of uh we'll definitely keep on with catwoman and nightwing though so let's move on to our listener feedback sorry to interrupt master booth ringing your phone now this needs my attention on YouTube, Cesar Diaz says, Hi guys, a few weeks ago I told you about my opinion on Future State. It wasn't what I expected, but it's great that Batman 106 started to give it some meaning. Dark days to come for Batman, I'm pretty sure. I haven't read Joker number one. He's my favorite villain, but I don't like his development in the Tynion run. However, you guys made me change my mind, and I'm going to give it a try. I agree with Ian about the old Jim. He's back. Hell yeah. Infinite Frontier was okay. I see great potential in this story. Thanks, guys, for this great podcast and your incredible knowledge. P.S. I'm in love with Steph. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. And please, Theo, sing Super Sons. Just kidding. Thanks. So, Caesar, thank you so much for leaving that comment. That was really nice. Um, I do hope that if you checked out Joker, you'll let us know if you liked it or not. I'm still really engaged with that storyline, and I am looking forward to issue number two uh, very eagerly. Aren't we all? <laughs> it's so weird. All right, let's move to for our non, next comment. For, for non, Non-Joker fans. I know. Like, I don't understand what this world is, but I am very excited for Joker <laughs> number two. Maybe we're in a parallel universe. Maybe we're in the Teen Titans universe. Just kidding. No, we're not. Okay. On Discord, Matches Malone says, So I skipped Infinite Frontier and didn't feel like I missed anything with Batman or Joker. I'll go back and read it and see if it adds anything on the back end regarding Jim actually killing Joker. Agree with Mr. J having way too much plot armor, but I'd like to see Jim actually try to kill him and fail. That would expose Jim as vulnerable to the allure of some people are too evil to live logic and show that a man who has lost that much at the hands of someone like Joker can't be expected to restrain himself forever. So I think that's a really interesting speculation. I've read another speculation that I don't like, but I'm worried that is true, which is that this might be Jim Gordon's last story. He might actually have to go out in a blaze of glory and end up dying in this series, which I would be very sad about. But I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, We're definitely going to have a lot to talk about with our next Joker issue. If they allow that to happen, but not allow us to have Batcat being married or anything else, I will be... I will, I will be quite ticked off. Peeved, you say? 
Yeah, but this is a family-friendly show, so. <laughs> All right. Um, we also had a lot of really good conversation with Daniel and Spider-Boar and to Jesus about the use of Joker in the series. It's a bit too lengthy for us to really clip or, or read on the podcast, but it was directly inspired from our conversation about the Joker last time. So I really appreciate our listeners engaging with our content and interacting with each other. So thank you, Daniel and Spider-Boy and to Jesus. I want to thank our patrons here at the end. You help keep the lights on, which is to say you help us keep the server fees paid so we can keep letting you download the options. We also have a bunch of affiliate links. If you want to buy something from Amazon, Lego Comixology, or many other nerdy sites, you can just click through on our website to that website, and it'll let you know. Uh, It'll give a little money towards our servers and developer costs and so forth. Our bat fans, uh, people who contribute at a certain level, uh, that would be Gerald Green, Joshua Lappin Bertoni, Rob O, Real No Deuces, Tim Garassi, Stephanie Mounts, Ian Miller, uh, Theo, Donovan Morgan Grant, Stanton's Grave, Donald Townsend, Ed Grouse, Brendan Roberts, Hannah Gar, Captain America, Mary Garrett, Austin Davis, Johnny McCloskey, Cesar Diaz, ah, our commenter, and Wayne Walls. Thank you all so much for helping the Batman Universe comic podcast and all of other other podcasts in the Batman Universe network continue. I hope you will join us next time. Until then, my name is Ian. This is Steph. And this is Theo. And stay safe in Gotham. <laughs>